All right, well, it's Ash Wednesday, so we're going to have our Learn by Heart, and then we'll stop about 6.25 or so and get set up and get ready for our divine service at 7, which means I try to smash an hour into about 25 minutes of, uh, hold on, get ready for the ride. No questions. Double time. Yeah. Double time. All right. The uh, hymn is inside your bulletin for catechesis. So it'll be the yellow bulletin. Uh, It has the Ash Wednesday hymn, uh, which is When O'er My Sins I Sorrow. And so we'll take a look at this hymn written by uh, uh, Man Ganesius. when he wrote this hymn, there were eight stanzas. Um, TLH has this hymn, only has four of it. Uh, and uh, LW likewise followed suit with four stanzas. LSB has none of this hymn uh, at all. And the seven stanzas that we have uh, on your orange sheet is actually missing uh, the eighth, and so when we get to that, I'll tell you what that one is. Let's take a look at it. When o'er my sins I sorrow, when o'er my sins I sorrow Lord, I will look to Thee, Lord, I will look to Thee, and hence my comfort borrow, and hence my comfort borrow that Thou wast slain for me. That thou wast slain for me. Yea, Lord, thy precious blood was spilt. Yea, Lord, thy precious blood was spilt. For me, O most unworthy. For me, O most unworthy. To take away my guilt. To take away my guilt. So it only fits as we're beginning a penitential season, the season of Lent. Uh, it says that we're going to sorrow over our sins. What happens is that the law shows us our sins. We realize that we have disobeyed God, that we have offended him, that we are worthy of punishment because of those sins. And so we sorrow over our sins. But this hymn lets us know that we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. So, when o'er my sin I sorrow, it says, Lord, I will look to thee. So we look to the very God... Uh, who has given us commandments and whom we have disobeyed. Why? Well, because he's also the one who sent his son, whose blood was spilt, was shed, uh, to take away our sins. And so, uh, we seek comfort from the very God that we uh, sorrow over breaking his law. But that's only right because this is our uh, uh, loving God. So, sorrowing, but with comfort in the gospel, for we know of the forgiveness of sins. Stanza number two teaches us about Jesus' sacrifice. Oh, what a mo- oh, what a marvelous offering! Oh, what a marvelous offering! Behold, the Master spares. And that line goes on. The Master spares his servants and their suffering. And grief for them he bears. 
So our God offers, makes an offering. He doesn't ask us to make an offering. Uh, He spares us our suffering, our grief, and he takes it upon himself. That's the offering that he gives to us. God stoopeth from his throne on high. For me, his guilty creature. For me, his guilty creature. He deigns as man to die. He deigns as man to die. So tonight we'll also be taking a look at the Lord's Supper. Uh, The Lord's Supper is not a sacrifice that we offer God. It's not our offering to him. It is a sacrament in which we receive what he is giving to us. That would be the word, the body and blood. We receive it from him. Stanza 3 uh, talks about uh, what Jesus did, too, how he offered this up, his son for us. But three, the atonement uh, removes the fear that we have. That's how come we have comfort. My manifold transgression, My manifold transgression. henceforth can harm me none. Henceforth can harm me none. Since Jesus' bloody passion, For me, God's grace hath won. His precious blood, my debts hath paid. Of hell and all its torments, I am no more afraid. So, having made atonement, our, our sins cannot harm us. Uh, no, because they already harmed Jesus. So he has paid our debts and, and hell, all that is taken away. Uh, we need not fear. Stanza 4 speaks of our thankfulness in return. I'll read it. Therefore I will forever give glory unto thee, O Jesus, loving Savior, for what thou didst for me. I'll spend my breath in songs of thanks. For thy sad cry, thy sufferings, thy wrongs, thy guiltless death. And so stanza four is a thankful song, a thankful stanza, one in which we give thanks for what he has done for us. You could see why that might be a natural uh, uh, breaking point. Uh, The stanza, four stanzas found in TLH as well as in uh, LW. Um, However, uh, the stanzas that follow are real gems. Uh, why they were removed, I, uh, I, I don't know. And so, that all being said, stanza five, and this time we move off to the right. Lord, let thy woes, thy patience, Lord, let thy woes, thy patience. my heart with strength inspire, my heart with strength inspire. to vanquish all temptations, and spurn all base desires. So, having been thankful for what Christ has done for us, we now pick up what he has done for us, and uh, we ask that it might be the thing that, well, helps us with temptations. As these things come our way, we look at our Lord's patience, we look at his woes, um, we grant, grant strength from his love for us, Uh, that, again, we might overcome these temptations. This thought I fain would cherish most, 
What pain my soul's redemption hath thee, O Savior, cost. Stanza number six uh, talks about how in the midst of these trials that uh, uh, the Lord might be patient. Um, patience would include his teaching us. Patience would be in his forgiving us. Patience in, in leading us through. Uh, stanza six, I'll read for you. Whate'er may be the burden, the cross here on me laid, be shame or want, my garden. I'll bear it with thine aid. Uh, we've come up with that, uh, come up on that word uh, in our hymns already. Um, let it be my reward, the, the recompense, the thing that I, I uh, am, am to receive. And so here it talks about, uh, you know, whatever cross we are to bear. Yes, we've been forgiven. Yes, we're thankful. Yes, we're going against our uh, uh, afflictions. And now. Um, as we have these things that are laid upon us, it speaks of the cross, for we too pick up whatever cross the Lord has laid on us. It may be shame, it may be lacking or being in want, or whatever the burden is laid upon us. I'll bear it with thine aid. Give patience. Give me strength to take thee for my bright example and all the world forsake. And so, once the Lord is our Savior, yes, he can also be uh, our example. He can be the one that shows us. And tonight we'll take a look at the uh, uh, coming up gospel reading in which Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and uh, uh, he resists temptation. Stanza 7, repeat after me. And let me do to others... As thou hast done to me, love all men as my brothers, and serve them willingly. And so, having uh, received this, yes, uh, we turn then, receiving his forgiveness that we might love as he has loved us. As it says here, let me also serve and love them. With ready heart, nor seek my own. With ready heart, nor seek my own. But as thou, Lord, hast helped us. But as thou, Lord, hast helped us. From purest love alone. From purest love alone. And so, speaks of the love that we show, uh, again, to others. Stanza number eight. Uh, Again, wasn't included, uh, but it uh, is a reference to death. Uh, and so, how would Christ then uh, atonement, what he has done, how would that relate to our death? And let thy cross upbear me, bear me up, upbear me, with strength when I depart. Tell me that naught can tear me from my Redeemer's heart. But since my trust is in thy grace, thou wilt accept me yonder, where I shall see thy face. So a very comforting uh, uh, last stanza, speaking of the uh, uh, death and how we need not fear uh, even that. Um, and so in each one of these, as it talks about, as we confess our sins, when o'er my sin I sorrow, I, I, I'm 
need to seek comfort and all of the comfort that, that we have in those uh, things. All right, so that's going to be our hymn for this evening. Um, Sacrament of the Altar. We took a look last time at uh, the first question. What is the Sacrament of the Altar? It is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and wine instituted by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and to drink. Question two, where is this written? Well, we know the Holy Evangelist, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John doesn't have it, but St. Paul does include it. And so we have it listed in four spots. Uh, those four words of inst- re- recording of the words of institution, we take all four of those, smash those together so that we have uh, the fullest account that we have, losing uh, uh, n- not even one word. And so that is what we use for the words of institution uh, in our divine service, uh, pulling those all together. These are the words that institute. These are the words that... Uh, by which our Lord began this, tells us to do this, and to use those words. So those words tell us what we need to know. In fact, we ought to go to them in order to to pull out uh, what's going on in this uh, Lord's Supper. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So the Roman Church says that this is a sacrifice of the Mass. Hmm, sacrifice? Do you see any sacrifice talk in the words of institution? Give. Give? No, I said it's all gift. Oh, it's all give. You're right. It's all give. It's what our Lord is giving out. And so, yes, he speaks about the object which is being given out, his blood that was shed, his body that was broken, but, but that all refers to what happened on the cross. Yeah, there's a sacrifice going on there on the cross, but what's happening here is a giving out. Um, a rece- uh, um, our, our Lord is saying, take, eat. And he speaks about what is being given. He says, for the forgiveness of sins. Yes, he speaks. We talked last time about the words. He takes bread. He takes the cup, which would have had wine in it from the Passover. Those are the elements that he uses. He tells us what it is. It is his body and blood. And he wishes us to receive it. To receive it orally uh, with our uh, uh, mouth and lips. Uh, But then, in a sacramental way, we also receive the body and blood of Christ uh, that he is giving out here. Now, in our Lutheran confessions, as they are explaining, they didn't mention it in the Augsburg Confession, this sacrifice of the Mass. And so the Roman Church, in their response, the computation, said... uh, uh, you didn't. You didn't talk about that. 
And the Lutheran said, we intentionally did not talk about it. Why? Because the word sacrifice in connection with Lord's Supper is so easily misused. And at that time, it was being, that was the primary, and that, it was misused by the use of that. They were taught that the church was offering this up to God. He asked us to do this sacrifice. We would offer it up to him, and then uh, he would uh, be pleased uh, to give us blessings, and the church could give it out to whoever they wanted, living or dead, and, and this kind of thing. Um, the Lutherans came back speaking about the sacramentalness of this and how there is the receiving of forgiveness uh, in these but the Lutherans were quite careful, and if you, if you want to uh, engage at, a, at an adult level, they'd say, we do understand that there can be a secondary purpose that is sacrificial, a sacrifice of sorts. What kind of sacrifice would it be? Well, when you come forward to receive Lord's Supper, when you come forward to receive the forgiveness and the sins and, and his body and blood, well, you are being thankful. You've heard the words, and you know what Christ has done, and he says, I'm giving it out. For you to come forward is to say, oh, I recognize that gift, and I wish to receive it. I'm very thankful to be able to come forward. In fact... As I am here, and as I sing, well, Lord's Supper hymns, I am singing thankfulness, singing about what the Lord has given us. When I come to receive his word, I'm saying, Lord, I'm a Christian. I wish to thank you for what you have already given us. None of these things are things we do to get something, but when we come to receive, it shows our thankfulness. If I give you a gift... And you put it up in the closet and never use it. It's not very thankful. But if the Lord has a gift and he wishes you to receive, yes, your sacrifice of thanksgiving is to come and to receive the sacrament, the primary purpose, what he is giving out, which is uh, the forgiveness of sins. Questions? On the back of the bulletin is the gospel reading for this coming Sunday. It's Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Let me read it. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone." Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. 
Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. This is God's word. So the first Sunday in Lent has Matthew 4. It's the account of what happens right after Jesus is baptized. So having been baptized, the Father identifies him. This is my beloved Son. And he begins his ministry. The very first thing that has happened is that he is in the wilderness uh, uh, fighting the devil. How did he get out in that wilderness? He was led out there. He didn't just stumble out there. He didn't all of a sudden go, well, I kind of got lost out here and the devil happens to be out here. Who led him out there? The Holy Spirit. And so this is not a chance occasion. This is actually uh, uh, the Holy Spirit sending him out saying, it's time, if you're going to begin your ministry, you have to defeat the devil. Um, it is it is with full intent that he is out there. So while he is out there, if the Holy Spirit proceedeth from the Father, if the Father sends him to be out in the wilderness, does the Father know that he's out there? Does he love his beloved son? So when the devil comes to him and says, listen, you're going to have to turn these stones into bread because your heavenly father isn't going to take care of you. Um, you're just going to die out here. Jesus trusts in the heavenly father and says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to question his judgment. If the Father let me out here, well, then he's going to make sure that I'm taken care of. And if it means that I can't eat for a while, turns out 40 days and 40 nights, well, so be it. Um, the Lord can provide and take care. And so with this first one, he bats away, well, a food temptation, which kind of makes sense. Because back in Genesis chapter 3, we had a food temptation. How did that work out? Not well for us. Not well for us, exactly. And so the first Adam failed. Now we have Jesus, the second Adam, who uh, uh, defeats the devil. All right, with the second temptation, he takes him up to the holy city, puts him on the pinnacle, and quotes God's word to him. Here you go, Jesus. You want to hold to God's word? I'll give you God's word. Some things like, uh, he shall give his angels charge over you, and later they will bear you up. Psalm 91, and, and this sort. Um, how does Jesus respond? You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Yes, tempting the Lord our God. Um, daring him, putting him in impossible situations that he is not uh, 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 that he has not placed us. And so, yes, uh, the other is Jesus also goes back to the Word of God. Um, the devil can quote the Word of God. Uh, we need to learn Scripture interprets Scripture. We need to learn to understand those passages in their context so that we will not be misled by those who misquote the word of God. Third temptation, takes him up to an exceedingly high mountain, shows him all the stuff and says, all you have to do is fall down and worship me, I'll give you it all. Jesus again. It is written. 
first commandment. It's a first commandment issue, without a doubt, and everything flows from the first commandment, doesn't it? Um, it would seem that the devil who is trying to pick away at all of these finally just goes for the last thing. And if you can't defeat Jesus on the first commandment, you can't beat him on anything. So at this point, he sends the devil away. He has defeated him completely. And so once again, he has gone back to the word of God. Yes, Jesus shows us the way. Not only does he defeat the devil for us, and that is the sacramental part of this, but then, as an example, he gives us, well, what we ought to pick up. Listen, Jesus is not too proud to grab onto the word of God uh, and, and, and to use that. That also is our uh, strength. Questions? Questions? 